Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. And we are live. It is John Pollock, joined, as always, by Brandon Thurston of Russellnomics. It is another edition of Pollock and Thurston Interview. Joining us today in the hot seat, uh, a man that I'm sure many people that are interested in this subject matter, uh, very familiar with. A familiar voice on WWE earnings calls, a analyst at Lightshed. It's a pleasure to welcome Brandon Ross to the program. Brandon, how are you doing today? Thank you so much uh, for joining us and uh, taking some time to chat chat with us. I'm good. It's great to be here, guys. TKO earnings calls now, right? That, that is um, right. It'll, it'll, it'll take about nine months or so before that deal is closed, but it'll be a lot of fun to have these two companies together and uh, get to look at these two businesses, the UFC business and the WWE business under the same umbrella, at least for the analysts. I don't know about exactly what's going to happen in terms of the dynamics internally. We'll see as that unfolds. Well, as you've had some time to digest this, Brandon, I mean, you had been one of the people at the forefront looking at this as Endeavor being a, a very you know, logical option for a landing spot. But this is a lot of interesting personalities all under uh, one roof. And, you know, from a uh, commercial standpoint, uh, Vince McMahon, a Dana White, how have you sort of assessed just some of the dynamics that come with a merger like this and a lot of powerful figures that have typically run their companies and now you are working in concert with one another? Great opportunity for shoulder content. That, that's what I know. Um, I think, honestly, these these two businesses will probably, while they're under the same umbrella, and they'll have the ability to share some costs and, you know, do some cross promotion and kind of take the expertise out of each other's businesses, they'll probably be run pretty separately. I mean, you already see the management structure where Nick is going to run WWE Dana is going to run UFC. I expect those to be pretty siloed fiefdoms where most of the crossover it, it happens um, through strategic meetings. Yeah. And, and this transaction, which you correctly predicted, by the way, uh, we, we, we talked to you several months ago uh, and, and you were talking, basically the only one talking at that point about the notion that Endeavor could acquire or merge with WWE. Um, yeah. And you had, you had talked about a reverse Morris trust. Yeah. And I was listening to your, to your latest podcast last Friday. And this is actually not a reverse Morris trust. Exactly. No, this isn't. So the way a reverse Morris trust would have worked would have been that the shareholders of um, Endeavor would have gotten ownership in the new entity. And it would have been a completely separate company with no Endeavor ownership. What I missed about the possibility for that transaction was Endeavor would have had to own 80% of UFC for at least six years, I think. And they didn't. So they couldn't do it under that structure. So under the current structure of the deal, Endeavor owns 51% of TKO, and that's Endeavor, the company, not the shareholders of Endeavor. And so it's so, different. And, and one thing I'm trying to figure out lately is that I, I take it that all W shares, when this is complete, all W shares are going to become TKO shares. That's correct. Yep. That, that'll be 49% of the stock. 51% is going to be owned by EDR, but like does, does Endeavor, do Endeavor shareholders get TKO shares or is it just Endeavor is going to be no. owning no, 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 equity? No, no, no. That's right. It's that's under a reverse Morris trust. What you said previously, Endeavor shareholders owning it um, would have been the case, but it's actually Endeavor, the corporate entity. Yeah. And, and like, how does that work for control? I guess like who controls that 51% equity that Endeavor owns? Is it just Ari or whoever the CEO is? I guess like, yeah, like well, a board ultimately vote. the shareholders of the board of, you know, <laughs> like 
in air quotes. Um, but ultimately, it's 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 Ari's game. I mean, he's the leader of that organization. How pivotal was Vince McMahon in, in all of these talks from your understanding, uh, Brandon, and sort of the, the the appetite that was out there of not just uh, getting into business with WWE, but primarily having Vince McMahon as a focal point in the next iteration of this company? Sure. Um, I saw what you guys saw, right? Which was Ari, who definitely has a very longstanding relationship with Vince McMahon. Want, he said that he wanted um, Vince involved and asked specifically for him to be involved. The, you know, the party line is that this wasn't a requirement from Vince. Whether or not we should believe that or not, I honestly don't know. I don't want to make a judgment call either way. But kind of entering the mind of somebody, um, any business owner, especially one with a very type A personality whose entire identity and life has been wrapped around one single company or product is probably going to want to force his way into continuing that involvement. And as chairman of TKO, he actually, you know, is in a position in a power position in a bigger organization than he was before. And he won't have special voting rights in, in this case. I, if, but reading the, the filings that came out last week, Monday, it, yeah. it sounds like this is going to be a one class shareholder system. Yeah. That's how I read it as well, Brandon. Yeah. So it's not going to be the case now where he has about a, thir- a little over a third of the stock, but 81% of the votes he's going to have by my math, about 18% of the control. And that's correct. Um, it's, so it remains to be seen, obviously, um, how much ultimate control he's able to wrestle, whether it's from a creative standpoint or a business standpoint. And that remains to be seen. It seems like Ari will likely give him as much leeway, um, as he wants. And I don't know, you guys are more equipped to tell me how, how do you, do you think that Vince's imprint has been on you know, maybe the end of WrestleMania or the um, the subsequent uh, shows? Or do you think he's definitely uh, there the Monday after? No, uh, I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know he was there, but was his imprint on the creative is what I'm asking you guys. Oh, on that, that Monday show after WrestleMania, like that was, that was a Vince McMahon show and, and, you know, and subsequent shows, I mean, last Friday show this past Monday, Vince McMahon was not there presently, but it's, it's ultimately, it's, it's no longer this idea that it is church and state where Vince is working on a sale and has nothing to do with creative. It is, it is public. It's like the public line is that, yes, I am involved, but I'm not in the weeds. So, I mean, that is you know, working with Paul Levesque at the very least, and there's going to be that that influence. And I think the, that's the big picture influence, the big picture storylines. And, and that will permeate, I think, into like certainly having more of a, of a hands on approach than the last couple of months. But I, I certainly feel like there's going to be that specter of Vince with the creative direction of this. Yeah. And to be clear, and like what's been reported, he what well, right after he retired or resigned, he was Apparently not involved. I mean, Paul Levesque and Vince are probably having conversations and who knows what kind of influence he's exerting through, through that. But when he came back to the company in January, I mean, we had Paul Levesque make comments on, on the earnings call about, you know, how, how beneficial it is to have him back as executive chairman. Um, and obviously he was there in LA during WrestleMania week and he was there. At, at the arena the following he was in gorilla he was in the back no i know i, I know he, i know he was in gorilla um and no one could miss him yes no no he's uh <laughs> he's put a, a giant bullseye on his face uh <laughs> for everybody to see <laughs> you know and and it does become very interesting brandon because i mean j- just listening to the, like the earnings calls and this is the first time i've had a chance to speak with you like you certainly seem to be very engaged with uh, sort of like the news cycle of professional wrestling and that seems to be something brandon and i have noticed is that uh, a lot of analysts like they might not be watching the weekly programming but they certainly seem to have a better read of the the fans perception of the on-screen product and if you're Paul Levesque, you can certainly lean back on metrics that have improved under this nine, 10 month run where he has, you know, been leading the creative direction. This is not just, 
you know, totally. fan sentiment. The, the, but the, first of all, the numbers speak for themselves. That's it. Second of all, I think any analyst who's doing their job um, speaks to the customers of of the product that they're analyzing. And in you know, customer conversations, Mark on our team is a huge wrestling fan. I actually thought about bringing him on this podcast with me, and I think both of you should meet him. So he is. Um, He's really on on the beat of what's happening creatively. Obviously, I watch here and there, not not to the same obsessive. Um, you were at extent, WrestleMania, right? Of, yeah, I was. I was only there the first night, but I did watch the second night on Peacock. And I'll tell you why. I thought the content was awesome. I have, um, especially was very good. Uh, yeah, I I was more into it and obviously i'm much more casually involved with the content than you guys are but i was more into that that um night one of wrestlemania than any of the previous um shows that i've attended live i think that's, I that's a pretty great. universal opinion especially of the okay. first night yeah. show like this was a pretty well received um R- wrestlemania by you know uh anyone's standards. I think it was a very, very well-received show. And it was also, I mean, their most financially rewarding uh, WrestleMania as well. You had the opportunity to speak with uh, Nick Khan last week uh, following the announcement of the merger. And I kind of want to go back and just some of your uh, impressions when Nick Khan made this giant pivot in his career going to WWE in 2020. And how much uh, did that catch the industry off guard that, and, what kind of a uh, of a hiring this is for WWE in terms of just the importance that Nick has brought to this company in terms of uh, not just business dealings, but I think perception-wise as well. It certainly has been a very important three-year period, and he's been at the forefront of it. Sure. Um, I think, first of all, I think George and Michelle actually did a great job in evolving WWE. It's, it's brand, not only it's... It, I don't mean it's brand with um, wrestling fans, but it's in the industry perception of WWE. I think the move into streaming um, at the time looked like it was some really forward thinking stuff. And there was a lot of respect that others in the media industry, other companies gave to WWE for that move. I, I had not started covering WWE before before the, the network launched like how much were, were were TMT analysts like really covering WWE before the network was the, ne- the network launch a big change it, for that? It, yeah that was I mean it wasn't necessarily the network itself but it was the their ability to get to a million over the top subscribers at the at the real beginning of uh, of OTT. I mean, that was, there were very few companies at that time who could boast that. It was who? Netflix. It was Amazon Prime. I mean, which both have broad content. I, I don't even think Crunchyroll had gotten to um, a million yet, if you want to go back to like sort of single product OTTs. Um, and I think MLB did. MLB.tv. Is UFC Fight Pass around that time too? Right. Yeah, but I, it was later, I think, and I don't. It never got to, you know. It, it was a pretty revolutionary idea to cut the middleman out at that time, and obviously George and Michelle had a huge hand in that evolution and taking that risk. You have to give Vince credit. I mean, ultimately, Vince controls everything, and he was, you know, willing to, um, or not just willing to. He really embraced that step. And I think that that was an important shift in perception around WWE as a business. Um, obviously, others caught up in the OTT world. And then in that next iteration, it made sense to, and I was unsure about this at the time, but um, it's worked out. It made sense to license that content out to a third party and focus solely on creative. Um, and when you, when you moved... Back into that, and George and Michelle left for whatever reasons they left. We don't need to get into that. I think Nick Khan was was a pretty good choice to continue to elevate that B2B perception. Because as a Hollywood agent who had dealt with a ton of brands and a ton of you know mainstream Hollywood folk, um, it, it was 
a chance to continue to um, uh, evolve WWE in a positive direction. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I'm kind of curious because you must be on so many of these earnings calls every quarter. <laughs> yeah. Like, is, is there something? I tried to estimate how many I've been on in my life once. Well, I can't um, imagine, but it, I'm it's, sure it's you... in the thousands, multi thousands. It's crazy. Like what, what are certain um, skill sets that Nick Khan possesses in that role as a front facing executive that is communicating what can be some very dry information in a way that's uh, digestible? And d- does he have a unique skill set when you are looking at other kind of executives that are in this role to this is what I this is what I like about Nick on the earnings call first of all he has um broad perspective um because he's still in the conversation on everything going on in media and that's very clear number one and number two he's willing to communicate what he's hearing in a public forum which is something yeah break story which is something you never see from um a C-level executive on an earnings call. So I've, I've definitely appreciated and enjoyed that. And I think it's made WWE's earnings call, even beyond people who are invested in WWE, a little bit of a must listen. And so if you're getting a broader audience, that also helps you to rope in a broader investor base, um, because inevitably they're also going to be paying attention to the rest of the call. So I think um, Nick's strategy in that regard, I don't know how much his partners necessarily love to love it, but um, I think it's work for the investment community. Compared, we brought up Fight Pass, and yep. given how they launched in relatively close proximity to one another, but very yeah. different different views when it comes to pay per view content and the way the network went versus the UFC that has stayed yeah. in that business. Is And that has been to me from fans after this merger, the number one concern is WWE going back to a, a pay model for its largest shows. Are we too far removed that you, you can put the toothpaste back in when WWE's streaming rights are up with Peacock? Uh, how do yeah. you see them kind of navigating that that streaming space? My belief is that, yes, we are too far removed at this point, number one. Um, number two... I think, I think you're going, you're going to have now this negotiation around the Raw and SmackDown rights coming up. And as you know, NBCU owns the Raw rights and they own the rights to those pay-per-views, the old WWE network. My guess is that they might want to, I'm not saying they're gonna, but they might want to add an extension to the, um, to the pay-per-views deal as part of this negotiation. And optically, I think it probably makes sense for WWE to do it because my belief is NBCU is happier with the performance of the WWE network content than the actual raw content. And um, probably think they underpaid for, um, uh, for the network content. So maybe you can, you know, show the street a, a little bit more of a step up, and then you could get those deals coterminous so that you have the most optionality in the future when those when those rights are all up. And, and those deals are about 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 a year and a half. Yeah, apart, about two years apart. Two, two yeah. years apart. It'll expire, I think, five years after twenty twenty one. So I think March twenty twenty six. I think it was when the peacock. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's closer to yeah. It's a year and a half. It's it because that's. End of September versus end of March. You're correct. Are you? Uh, it's as as we're looking at the overall landscape of, of major live sports rights. How uh, influential do you feel like the NBA rights are going to play into this when you are here? Oh, the, the idea of you know, and the NBC opening to me, it's like there's such a trickle down to huge. all these other rights. Like that seems to be the the big yeah. is the NBA. I, yeah, the NBA is obviously the biggest rights deal that's outstanding. Um, and you've seen all of the potential partners for WWE on this, on this deal, maybe with the exception of Fox has expressed interest in the NBA. Um, whether we've heard it firsthand or secondhand or, you know, it's, it's, it's in the media. Um, it sounds like NBCU wants to get one night, one night or day a week. Maybe it's a Sunday night situation, um, to, 
to, you know, fill out the year uh, when football is over. That makes a lot of sense. So <laughs> those are going to be expensive rights, obviously. Um, you know, I know that Turner has the rights to AEW. You got to look at them as still like kind of a dark horse for these rights. Um, and then, yeah, why not? Right. Um, if you watched yesterday, uh, the max premiere, I don't know if you guys watched that. I'm aware. Uh, yeah. They said that sports and news are going to be a big part of the service. They didn't want to give the details now, but you know, what if they abandon the NBA and it makes more sense to do WWE rights because they're less expensive? I don't know. In I mean, case, there, there's so many questions open right now is, is what I'm saying. And they all center, as John pointed out, around the NBA rights. Yeah. yeah and, and just, in that case, Turner doesn't, I guess, or WBD doesn't own both WWE and AEW. They would probably let AEW go in that case. Maybe so, maybe not. Right. Maybe they want to be the home of all things wrestling. I have no idea. I'm not saying that there's a great chance of this. I'm saying that it is a possibility and there are a number of potential bidders. And like, I don't know the exact appetite of each of the bidders. And you have to take obviously the digitals seriously. Amazon, Apple, YouTube obviously is doing sports rights now. They started with, um, with the NFL. And, and so, like, how much do you think? I mean, the, for for wrestling, those deals will probably be done before NBA gets done, right? Because NBA is twenty twenty five. These wrestling deals are both twenty twenty four. So, how much does our our networks like setting aside money be, because they have to? Wow, we we probably really have to spend on on NBA. So maybe we spend less on wrestling, or or is that just n- not that big of a factor when considering the no, there- for wrestling? There have been ongoing talks in the, for NBA rights already. I mean, we just had NBA All-Star Weekend in February. If you looked around, you saw executives from every media company there. Um, you know, Bob Iger was there. He spoke at the NBA Tech Summit. You have to imagine that these rights negotiations are already really ongoing and that these companies are probably have a decent idea of what it's going to take and the way that the NBA wants to slice and dice these packages. And I don't know if you listen to the, um, uh, the last Fox earnings call, I don't know if you guys uh, noticed this, but Lachlan Murdoch regard when he was asked about WWE content was asked what said, well, it depends on how other sports content goes. Right. Now they're not, and I don't believe they're bidding necessarily for the NBA, as I indicated earlier. But what is that other rights? Is it NASCAR? Is it NBA? So, I, I, th- I think that the N- the NBA and SEC is the college uh, the college property. That's, that's yeah, ongoing. that's that's correct. Which is you know the biggest. So. Maybe it's uh, also earmarking for uh, any potential fallout from uh, the Dominion voting scandal. They may, maybe that's uh, <laughs> into their uh, their ongoing coverage. It's hilarious. <laughs> On the side of you know whether it's the NBA rights, the, the WWE rights, like what's your kind of guess in terms of like term that these uh, broadcasters are looking for? Are they looking for you know? 10 year deals. So we're not sitting back in five years to renegotiate or are we, would we be looking at sort of keep it to WWE? Like our, it's like five years, a reasonable term that we're probably looking at. My guess is that WWE is probably going to want to do another five year deal. Uh, NBA is interesting. Obviously you saw the NFL do a much longer term deal uh, than they had in the past. I wouldn't be surprised if the NBA, if given the flexibility with all its partners vis-a-vis digital, did a longer-term deal. And let's just thinking long-term and about the market in general, there's a lot of talk about how you know streaming is not pr- producing the profits that linear TV did, and yeah. maybe if you know can can these sports these live sports rights values grow indefinitely as they have <laughs> you know we've heard people predict the the plateauing and the fall of uh, of live sports rights fees for years and years, 
but is is streaming the you know the problem with streaming not being as profitable at least at this point or not profitable at all unless you're Netflix as as traditional TV is that something that's going to finally plateau these live sports fees? Oh, there's a very good chance of that, right? Because the the thing I mean, if you you have to look back at the history of sports rights. Um, and media to really understand why sports rights got as expensive as they did. And that had a lot to do with the affiliate fees tied to the bundle, which you could keep jacking because everybody subscribed to the bundle and you, you would lose a lot of subscribers if you didn't have certain content. And so that kind of continued as affiliate fees kept going up. It, it continued the escalation of sports rights values. Then you got to a situation where the audience may not have, from a subscriber standpoint, have been there, but it was the only thing that was working on linear TV. So um, linear broadcasters, networks, had had to have that content. Otherwise, they had nothing. Now, as they transitioned to streaming, at the beginning of streaming, they were loss-leading. But as everything really moves to streaming over time, that loss leading is going to have to go away. And you're in a new model fully, which is much less profitable and much harder to keep the, you know, the um, scale of subscribers on at all times. So my guess is that at some point sports rights get to the other side of the curve. I don't know when that's going to be, though. And none of us do. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. We haven't spoken a whole lot about the the UFC side of the equation of, sure. of this merger. You know, they were extremely valuable to Endeavor throughout the pandemic. They never shut down. It has yep. been record year after record year. And they, they were most valuable to Endeavor in getting them public, right? They, they wouldn't that would not have been a public company if they didn't do that UFC deal. They could so, never have gotten it public. So what is if you're the UFC side and thinking selfishly, what are they getting out of this merger? And there's inevitably going to be layoffs, I would say, on on both sides that you're always going to see in these kinds of a deals. Like, how are yeah, you looking course. at it from the I UFC mean, side? Yeah, cost rationalization, as you pointed out. And unfortunately, the inevitable <laughs> part of cost rationalization is body rationalization. Then you have to look at and think, what does WWE do better than UFC that UFC can learn from? Um, one thing that Nick has really pointed out to me is, um, is on, um, uh, on CP, on consumer products. Um, there's a much bigger consumer products presence with WWE. And I think that comes naturally with the storylines. Um, attached to it. That's why you have action figures and um, more successful video games, et cetera, et cetera. So I think they're going to try and extract some of that DNA from WWE. I think the cross promotion opportunities are there. Can WWE promote UFC fights to its audience? Can they bring in fighters from UFC um, maybe not necessarily into storylines, but try and elevate them to a wider audience. Possible. Do you think that that the co- I don't the know cross, cross promotion of W and UFC is that a, a risk for UFC's brand because UFC's legit fights? Yeah, WWE's totally. 
worked matches, does the UFC fan, you know, especially those who aren't as well acquainted, start to think, wait a minute, there's there's pro wrestlers on this this UFC show hanging out. Like, does that mean maybe I don't think you, I, I don't think it would go that way. I don't think you'd bring pro wrestlers to UFC. I th- I'm more talking about bringing UFC fighters onto WWE. I just mean if there's a presence, even cage side, a lot. There yeah. already is, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I mean, look, you have Brock and. <laughs> Uh, Ronda Rousey. There has been some crossover, obviously, in the past. Um, I'm not saying that they become full characters, but um, you know, they could get worked in a little bit, probably. Yeah, you tell me. You guys are much more attuned to the creative, and I know that you're fans of John. John's of, the uh, MMA journalist. All right, well, let's I, go, John. Well, I think that I don't. I don't want to make claims when I'm not the expert in the area. I feel there, there's enough of a maturation of the audience that sort of in this day and age understand the, the differences between the two. But I certainly believe like there will be resistance if they feel like they are being force fed WWE content. And uh, to a degree, you might get some of that on the wrestling side. But my, from my sense, Brandon, is that the wrestling audience is, I think, more open to the idea of a Conor McGregor coming on to promote his upcoming fight, do some angle on Raw uh, to promote the event. Whereas I, I do feel like the MMA audience is going to have some more resistance to pro wrestling promotion with the body. I agree. I, that's, I, that's why I think it could, it's a kind of a one way thing. And that's why it's beneficial to UFC. Um, and not necessarily to WWE. Yeah. Like I I think promoting UFC on WWE programming is fine, but what if like every, Every, yeah, every UFC show had, let's, let's say every UFC show has a, a promo for the next PLE with, with WWE. I, I feel like that's, if I'm Dana White, I'm, I'm starting to feel like, well, I don't know if I want. Yeah. I agree. Thing that's you. kind of a sport, but not really a sport to, to be reflecting and questioning maybe the integrity of, of how real my sport is, especially, and John knows about the, the gambling issue that they had there and it with really is the UFC and all that. It was a major I, I, issue for, for them to, to navigate when there were, um, you know, uh, up here in Canada, like taking, like you could not bet on UFC for, for a period and on like several, uh, outlets, uh, for that concern. I'm certain that they don't briefly, want to. Just what, what was the story behind that? Well, essentially what you had was there was this extreme line movement going into a fight, um, that certainly raised eyebrows. And you had this fighter, James Krause, that was making a, a killing off of, gambling advice but he's also like a very well-renowned uh, trainer that has a lot of information and that was be- being conveyed and suddenly you saw all of these these line movements involving fighters that were attached to him at least this one fight that had the big line movement and that was enough to to spook a lot of of gambling outlets and and pulling ufc gambling from several areas like new jersey was looking into this ontario yep. was looking into this and it was something like UFC has a massive deal with DraftKings and they like gambling is a huge part of the presentation on UFC and for their revenue. And they do not want to be getting into any yeah. major and, and uh, federal investigations. Yeah, to- I, I, I don't think I could agree with you guys more. Um, I, this is a one way promotion opportunity, likely. I mean, you get into the gambling side of it right before this deal was announced and <laughs> You had WWE news broke that they were looking into the possibility of um, betting on um, on WWE matches. And the argument there is, well, people bet on the Oscars and other, you know, thing where I don't know why the Oscars aren't really scripted per se. Um, They're predetermined. like <laughs> pre-de- But yeah, action. with predetermined out, um, outcomes before they're aired, yes. An interesting issue on, on the UFC side that that is not something WWE um, has to contend with is the fact that coming out of the pandemic, one of the big talking points from Dana White is that we're not interested in politics. You tune in here. It's a break. But UFC became very politicized during this time and Dana White's stance uh, against COVID when he was uh-huh. running, when others weren't. And this past Saturday, if you watch their pay-per-view, here they are in Florida. You have Donald Trump in the front row. You have Jorge Masvidal shouting out Trump and yep. Ron DeSantis. And it's as we're going into the next election cycle, like UFC, like there is a very significant like right wing leaning that extends into the programming. And that is something WWE is not like it's a very apolitical program that is not going to touch any of those. And MMA, like from the fighters, like there is certainly that element that 
um, you're they pretty much get a live microphone and there are a lot of politics embedded into MMA when you sort of look under the rock of, you know, the, the people that populate the sport. Totally. Um, let's not forget though, that Vince, you know, Vince McMahon's politics, I think are very much aligned with those of Dana White's. Well, that is yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> free from the programming, but yes, it's another, yes, but free here, from the like, programming. Look, as you guys have pointed out continuously, one is scripted and one isn't. Um, one is trying to have much broader family appeal than the other. It doesn't mean that there aren't some cross promotion opportunities, but I think, as I said at the beginning of this, these are going to largely be run as separate entities. And when there are opportunities to cherry pick some things or get help from the other, they will lean into that. But I, you know, that's not going to, there's not going to be a, a serious integration of, of these two businesses. As we wind down here, this has been a fantastic discussion. As we are uh, going into the, uh, the WWE's earnings call, uh, which is announced for May the 3rd. Uh, this is, it, it seems every quarter, it's, it's always great anticipation of these earnings calls, but this one, especially so given the recent news. And would you expect, um, Vince McMahon's involvement on this earnings call, or is this still going to be no. kind of Nick Khan? No, I, I, I think I think this is going to be the Nick show. I actually didn't see that it's May third. Um, I have a daughter due on May third. So, oh dear, um, congratulations! I hope, thanks. I hope I can make that earnings call. It's, now it's, it's you in guys the morning got, for now. It's an, all right. You guys got me a little worried. Hopefully, <laughs> uh, you know, little baby will hold off for a couple of days because I'm really looking forward to that earnings call. Yeah, currently scheduled for 8.30 a.m., which I'm guaranteeing, Brandon, that uh, it will get moved to, to 5 p.m. Oh, of course. No well, it, may, it may get moved to May 10th also. Who knows? That's true. We, we see all moves here. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's m- more likely than last time that Vince – because Vince had already come back. It was February. But I but I think still more likely that he – I, I would be absolutely floored if, if Vince was on this call. I don't he think – He clearly doesn't like if, doing If I was running place. investor relations and – they have a very good investor relations team there. Seth does a great job. I would be, well, I guess not that it matters because Vince is going to do what Vince wants to do, but I'd be shocked if he was on that call. Just just the nostalgia of him coming on and stating, we've merged with the company. Take it away, Nick. <laughs> that's it. That's all. That, that very good impression, John. <laughs> I, I can't do Brandon Thurston's. Uh, Brandon Thurston really has it, has it down pretty uh, solid. Let's hear it, Brandon. Now you're on the spot. You guys put me on the hot seat for a little while. We've we've, we've got a treasure chest of of uh, IP and revenue, and <laughs> take her away, Nick. You've got to be on that, speakerphone as well uh, to, to I, I the, it, the muffled Vince uh, yeah, the mu- <laughs> connection. Um, well, I think you guys were equally as as good with your your impressions. Uh, well, Brandon, uh, well, first of all, uh, congratulations on your, uh, expected daughter. Yeah, and, uh, maybe you. after, uh, once you, uh, are, are settled in, we would love to have you back on, uh, would love it. This is going to be a major, uh, story for, for months and, and years to come, I am sure. But, uh, I do encourage everyone to, uh, go check out, uh, the, the many podcasts, uh, that, that are out there. And Brandon, where could you, uh, direct people, uh, to hear more of your analysis that goes much beyond just, uh, WWE? Yes. www.lightshed tmt.com and the light shed podcast and light shed live those are kind of uh, our products all right well we are Thanks going to so say much. goodbye to uh brandon and uh we will be taking some of your super chats and uh brandon and i will uh wrap this up but uh brandon thanks so much for joining us we really appreciate the time and uh, hope to do this and, and by the time. way for, for oh. people watching on video you notice we we had some video issues with brandon so we weren't able to get, get him on the screen but he was wearing a light shed 316 shirt we did. We did see it for a moment uh, before yeah, we went on. That is. That is true. I'm still that waiting was, for that my, my Wrestlenomics three sixteen shirt. Yeah. I'm sure it's in the mail. Uh, <laughs> that was a gift, but I. Um, it's going to be one that I get a lot of wear out of. I'm already planning on wearing it on the Lushet podcast tomorrow. So, yeah, I probably won't wash it tonight. But don't tell anyone. Well, there, All right, there guys. We have it. <laughs> Thanks a lot for the time, Brandon. Thank you. Take care. Bye. All right, that was uh, Brandon Ross. Uh, Dare I say, Brandon, I, I, I think he did, he did come away just loving our impressions, and uh, oh, that was a fun it. chat. Yeah, it was excellent. Great stuff. I, I continually go back to, like, in looking at all of these, like, media rights and how 
the, the NBA, like obviously that, that the major one out there, but the potential effect, um, if you're talking about NBC getting back into the NBA business and the idea that if there are games available, that some of them could seep down onto the USA network. And it goes without saying the, the Warner Brothers discovery talks with the NBA and the direct impact that will have on its AEW negotiations. But there, it'll be interesting, as you mentioned in the interview, the idea of when they go into these talks of knowing, um, in, in the future, they have to have this available, uh, money available for their, their NBA rights, which are, they are looking for a massive, massive increase, just mind blowing money that they are expecting here. Yeah. The NBA is already getting 2.6 billion per year, uh, per year. Yeah. Am I able to, to share this on the screen? I think I am. I think if so. I put the, I don't know, maybe not, but anyway, they're getting 2.2, 2.6 billion. They, they were just under a billion in, in the, in the, um, there it is in the, um, round before that. So I haven't, I, it's probably out there, but I haven't heard. What are they looking for? A 3X increase? I think maybe I saw one article say they're looking for. I mean, I'd maybe. have to look it up, but it was like over the term, I want to say like 72 billion over the, the life of the deal, like a, a gigantic increase over what they're getting now. And I mean, to, to, to compare AEW, which we have on the screen here, way down at the end, 44 million. I mean, that, that, that's a drop in the bucket compared to NBA's current deal, much less when they get an up, upgrade, assuming they will get an upgrade. So I don't know. And and comes at a time as they are just expanding the hours of AEW programming. Like we've got, we just finished week three of all access. It is, you know, there's the rumored Saturday show. We just saw a two hour block on Friday that to me uh, overperformed greatly of what I expected going into uh, last Friday. So it seems like it's, it's a key part of their programming. And to this chart, even with a multiple increase, it is a very small amount, but it's also Warner Brothers Discovery. Like, how much uh, available do, do they have? It would seem to me to like AEW is certainly with, within their means to give not just a, a notable increase, but to to be able to retain. Unless we get Warner Brothers Discovery aggressively going after WWE rights, as was, was thrown out there, which yes. it, it, Brandon is not the first one who has thrown that idea out. Uh, about yes. the idea of, you know, the, the, the multiple benefits of WWE being in talks with Warner Brothers we'll, Discovery. We'll, we'll see if that ends up on the aggregators later. Uh, analyst says WBD <laughs> could, could buy WWE and, and get rid of AEW. Um, but I think I, I'm not as bullish on AEW rights as, as I was the, the, on the podcast episode where we sort of broke down the math and justified how you can make a three X increase or five X increase even. Um, I don't, the, you know, the atmosphere has cooled off. I mean, since that day that Netflix reported that they didn't grow in subscribers sequentially from the prior quarter, things have really cooled in terms of content spending. And then the, the economy has had issues uh, more broadly too. Um, but I think there's probably an understanding with, among the executives about how much they're going to bid, probably more so. I mean, certainly more so that like than, than we do just trying to sit around and predict it. I, I feel like these media executives kind of know what the other media executives are going to bid. They're not completely going in blind and bidding blind. Um, so I think, and I think AEW's, there's a good chance that AEW is partly in, in a, in a small stake, uh, is owned by WBD. So there's that incentive. Why would you? sort of ditch your, your current wrestling product if you do own a stake in it. Um, so I think AEW will probably get a, a raise and I do think that W will, will uh, you know, will get a raise assuming their content doesn't fall apart and Vince McMahon takes over. But even if it does, I don't see Raw and SmackDown falling in, in the ranks. And in fact, the last two episodes, they did quite well. Given the, the various options that are out there for AEW, do you have any, any strong leaning on what you would do with this Wembley Stadium show in terms of, uh, broadcast? I think that's going to end up on Max. Yeah. Which, yeah, it, uh, yeah, which we alluded to in, in, Brandon alluded to in the interview is the, con- is the combined Discovery Plus and HBO Max. Even though Discovery Plus is still going to be a standalone streaming service that you can buy by itself. Yeah, but, this is very confusing for me as a Canadian without access to Max, right. but um this yeah, is not piecing a it together. Service. Yeah, we we have uh we have Crave up here that gets yeah. the HBO programming, so succession, thank God. that that is a succession. Yeah, this was a uh, No spoilers. Did you watch uh, Sunday night I live? Did. I had to avoid so many spoilers, but I have watched the, the most recent episode the other night. 
yeah, um, a tremendous episode of, of television. But if, if we go any further, um, <laughs> we'll we, we will get friends. massacred. <laughs> Let's go to uh, just one question here from uh, Ryan Archer, who asks, do you think that WWE will move PLEs back to Sunday and or have weekends with UFC on Saturday, WWE on Sundays? What do you think about the uh, the pairing of uh, these shows? Uh, the, the move to Saturday seems to have been a very strong move by WWE. Yeah, I, like, I think we discussed the Saturday. Is Saturday better than Sunday? I don't know, because there's other things involved, with certainly with Peacock, with how they report you know, our, our WrestleMania, our Royal Rumble was so many, you know, double digits of percent more highly viewed. Well, that's, that's gotta be largely due to the fact that Peacock has millions of more subscribers in, in this year versus last year. But I'm sure we, we won't be seeing UFC and WWE on the same night, same no. weekend. Which I mean, is an we, example we have do coming we even up. Do see that lately? Have, have there been UFCs and PLEs on the same night? It's, it's been very rare, but May 6th, there is a UFC pay-per-view the same night as uh, the Puerto Rico show Backlash. Yeah. Um, I could imagine those being pretty rare. Like you're not going to avoid fight nights, but that to me is not a big issue, but a big pay-per-view on a WWE night. I think those are nights you want to avoid. We are going to get SummerSlam versus Nate Diaz and Jake Paul on DAZN pay-per-view coming up in August as well. That's the same day as SummerSlam. Correct. Yes, they will be. But but we'll that's probably have sea fight. That's a, no, that's, one. this is a DAZN pay-per-view, but we will have the Paul brothers probably on uh, opposite cards uh, that particular evening. Yeah. My last question, as you have had time to digest the, uh, the TKO uh, letters that we, we expect this to be, do you have any sense on what the name of this company is going to be? Because I have a theory. Yeah, I don't know. I, I imagine TKO will be the, the initialism, but I don't know. Because I keep, you keep hearing the word blockbuster. So that, that is my prediction, is that we're going to blockbuster somehow. Vince has, has used blockbuster multiple times, and I know Vince is not someone to just use a word multiple times for no reason. So that's that's my theory. The blockbuster is somehow in, tied into this idea for a, a name of a but that's company. That's a B. We've got T K and O as the letters. Yeah, I know it's I know it's foreign, but TKO is a very lame name for the the entire company. It's going to resurrect the media brand Blockbuster. All right. It's a, it's a knockout. Okay. Well, uh again, a big thank I you to I think we Br- could just add one more thing. I, I yes. think we could see this TKO company maybe even include boxing in the future. If they, if this goes so well for them, why not go, go for the next uh, pillar, if you will, it, of, of combat sports. It's something that, I mean, Dana White has talked about the idea of Zufa boxing. He going back years and that kind of went away. And of late it's resurrected itself. And if we remember one of Nick Khan's interviews, not all yes. that long ago was throwing out the He's idea November, of boxing. Yeah. So that to me would be a logical extension um, we even saw some boxers on the, uh, the pre-show for, for WrestleMania. It seems like that would be something that would make a whole lot of sense for them. That is a very difficult industry to navigate where you are talking about uh, government oversight and being with you know, fighters that do have a protection with the Ali Act, which is very different from UFC and WWE and its freedoms. But um, w- would not surprise me either that they, and, they look and in And they that have direction. this connection, at least with Logan Paul. And Logan Paul has done boxing. Is, is he the one who fought Mayweather? Yes, Logan. And so they, they, I mean, they have that connection there and there's something interesting happening, at least economically with, with these boxing fights between these influencer celebrities. And that, that sounds very WWE to me. Yeah. And also a way that you could kind of take your UFC fighters and put them into a a boxing space. Uh, like there is the opportunity for, for something there, but we will see. Will, will power slap find its way under the TKO banner? I don't know, is Power Slap, is there going to be a season two of Power Slap? It's going to be on Rumble. As we talk about the right-wing leaning um, politics of uh, Dana White. Is there still the pay-per-view is what you're talking about, right? Or is it just going to be, they're going to do another season that's on Rumble? Well, the the pay-per-view ended up being moved onto this free Rumble service, which this paper, or this, this finale came and went, and I heard nothing about it. But season two is supposed to be on Rumble, and they're going to film this in Abu Dhabi. Okay. So that is the plan. No more, no more TBS. Maybe we should be streaming on Rumble. I, I don't know. I don't know what, what a kind of audience we'd find on Rumble. Uh, <laughs> as uh, people can, can alert us to uh, how, how we would fare uh, under Rumble. <laughs> Maybe that's... Uh, anyway, we will wrap things up. Brandon is going to be back later tonight. The, uh, how, how did you feel uh, Brandon Week is going here on Post Wrestling? Have you heard? Because we've got Brandon from New Jersey joining uh, 
the postmarks on Saturday. And we got, it was very tough for me. I felt silly calling him Brandon Ross and Brandon Thurston. You can tell there were a few there where I was uh, actually one time I went to address you and, and got his answer. It's tough to navigate when you got double Brandon's here. Well, this, this is the wisdom of Vince McMahon. You can't have people with the same first name. He, Vince McMahon proven right, uh, clearly. So we, we weren't going to rename you though for, for the purposes of the show as Gregory Thurston. Uh, but what's coming up tonight? Uh, the, the dynamite rating will be coming out in about a half an hour and we'll have whatever reaction there is to that. And, um, I don't know. I'll have to look. Usually what I do is I look at my Twitter feed. So whatever I've been tweeting about is good chance what I'll talk about. Uh, you know, whatever I've, been, I've tweeted about between Sunday and Thursday will be the material for the show. So maybe a Ric Flair, um, travel map. How? That's what I want to know. How did you do that? That I, dude, your work always impresses me. But when I saw this, you are literally one of one that could create this, this go, go to Brandon's Twitter. I can't even put it into words what he was able to develop and how I would love to watch the making of. Let's try to make it brief. So I, so it's cage based on cage match data, you know, the, the credit for the, the data goes to cage match, of course. So I download, so I went, I isolated, you know, I filtered out all of Ric Flair's matches and I have a column that's the location, which just comes from the, the database. Mm-hmm. And I used a, a library in Python to say, okay, here's the location name. Give me the longitude and latitude. And so I had to do all that. And then you kind of got to organize in just the right way for this thing called flourish to put it into the map. And, and it, it takes a lot, a lot of time, but that's basically how it, how I did it. It was very impressive. I think like that, uh, I'm just watching this thing. It's like, I would just sit down and watch this for, for 40 years worth of uh, Ric Flair's travels uh, around the world. So go check that out. Uh, WrestleNomics, uh, the WrestleNomics 30 will be up tonight. Patreon.com slash WrestleNomics. Uh, you can also check out postwrestlingcafe.com. And yes, uh, highly recommended. Stay tuned for our next in our interview series. Brandon and I will have to consult the spreadsheet and we will be. I added a bunch back. of names too. Okay. We're going to, we'll, we'll definitely have, have uh, uh, some, some forthcoming interviews coming your way. So thanks to everyone that joined us live. Uh, these are very fun to do. And uh, that is it for us. Goodbye. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.